Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, and indeed they were very dry. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? O Lord God, I replied, only you know. And he said to me, Prophesy concerning these bones and tell them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you, and you will live. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh grow upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath within you so that you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, and as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, there was suddenly a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And as I looked on, tendons appeared on them, flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and tell it that this is what the Lord God says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath entered them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look, they are saying, Our bones are dried up, and our hope has perished. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and tell them that this is what the Lord God says. O my people, I will open your graves and bring you up from them, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. The word of the Lord. My practice on Sunday morning is I get up relatively early, and I sit in a chair in my front room and uh, just kind of go over my notes that I've prepared this morning, kind of get my head in the game, you know, before the, before the game starts. And uh, this morning, it's, happened, it's only happened uh, two or three times in the 15 years since we've started this church. I got up this morning, and I just was like, this isn't what I'm supposed to say. I mean, I, this is a great sermon, but this is going to be next week's sermon, I guess. That's a great scripture, and I think it's going to be next week's scripture. Because <laughs> one point, one point... I couldn't get my eyes off of it's. Uh, it's about three sentences. It's a few verses, a couple chapters before this, and everything inside me was pinging. You know, like in a sonar when you've done th- everything inside me was sort of pinging that uh, that I was supposed to say this. It, it may be really short, so um, I also would beg your indulgence because when I haven't prepared, I'm always nervous. I take seriously speaking God's word up here, and so that the fact that I feel a little unprepared. Um, I, you know, you can say I do try to depend on the Holy Spirit, but I, I do still live in the flesh. So um, I will tell you that I'm pretty confident on the three sentences I've written. They're pretty good. <laughs> beyond, beyond that, I'll, I'll beg your indulgence, but I do feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to um, delve in to something a little deeper than this. So I'd like you to turn to chapter 34 of Ezekiel. We are in the book, uh, a relatively short study on the book of Ezekiel. It's... Um, We've talked about the fact that Ezekiel is this young priest who was part of the exile taken away from Jerusalem because of the sin of the people uh, and especially the leaders. 
And the fact that there was no one to intercede, we talked last week about there was no one to stand in the gap and intercede. God looked for someone. And so because of that, Ezekiel uh, sees a vision of the presence of God there in Babylon, not in Jerusalem. And we see that the presence of God has left the temple in Jerusalem where it's dwelt because they have presumed that God would always be there for them because they're God's people after all. They're Abraham's offspring. And so God says, nope. You covenant violators, you haven't taken sin seriously. I'm departing so that you would know me. And then he goes and is with them in exile and says, out of this exile, I'm going to take a few. I'm going to take a remnant and I'm going to rebuild. And we'll talk a little more about that in coming weeks because it's an important concept. But this morning, uh, I want you to look at uh, start uh, chapter 33. We're going to look at chapter 34, but chapter 33, verse 21 it's, it's kind of underplayed because we talked about how when Jerusalem falls, that is where the presence of God is dwelled. And so here is kind of the, the pivotal moment in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33, verse 21. In the twelfth year of our exile, that is since the, uh, uh, the people who were taken, not everyone was taken from Jerusalem, but several thousand of the leaders were taken into Babylon, up where we kind of think of Iraq being. And uh, in the twelfth year of our exile, in the tenth month, on the fifth day of the month, a fugitive from Jerusalem came to me and said, the city has been struck down. Jerusalem is gone. It's, it's been decimated. It's been wiped out. And so for a Jew, this would have been just devastating news that God's presence having left there, now all of a sudden, what do they have? Because Jerusalem is gone. So then... God takes a moment, and uh, through Ezekiel, a prophetic word is given, and it's against the shepherds of Israel. And it's, it's against people who lead other people, and particularly for the religious leaders, those who should have been helping to shepherd. Remember that image of a shepherd, David, the Psalm 23. This is a very important metaphor. It's an important picture of the way God sees his people, that we are sheep in his hand, and we're, we're loved by him and tenderly cared for by him. But, but he speaks a particular word right after the fall of Jerusalem. So if you would, I'm going to read this passage uh, in, starting at verse 34. And what I want you to hear is, yes, my role, people say pastors are shepherds. It's true. But I want to suggest that many of you in this room have shepherding roles. Any of you who are parents or grandparents and involved in the lives, there's a shepherding role. Some of you have ministry roles in schools or in parachurch ministries, and you have shepherding roles. Some of you are discipling other people in their faith, and you have roles as shepherds. And so it, it looks maybe a little different than mine, but most of you, many of you who are uh, in here, more than not, have some shepherding. And so please listen to this with the ears that this isn't just for me, though it is for me, and I was pretty convicted, but maybe the Holy Spirit will speak to you as well. And maybe the sermon is just for a few, I, I don't know. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel, you who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourself with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. We'll take that little lamb out to the pasture. 
the sick you have not healed. I love it. And hit, by the way, that's, his name's Elijah, and we're going to sing Days of Elijah and Ezekiel next week. <laughs> you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they have become food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or to seek for them. This morning, early this morning, sitting in that chair, I just began to jot some notes about what these shepherds were accused of. They fed themselves with the produce of the flock without consideration. They didn't take care of the weak and the injured and the sick sheep. Sometimes we think of sick sheep like, like a little sheep, like, oh, it's such a cute little lamb. You know, we just want to hold this wounded lamb in our arms. There's something really you know, nostalgic. Oh, no. Wounded lambs bite. Believe me, if you touch a lamb that's sick and injured, it bites. And for some of us, when we're dealing with children or dealing with um, younger ones in the faith, sometimes it's hard to think about caring for those who are injured or sick. In spirit, they're wounded. We just want to say, ugh, it's, it's just so painful. And we're called, if you shepherd at any level, we're called to the injured and wounded and sick. And I know it's easier to get together with your friends. I mean, I know it's easy to get together with people who are doing great. And, and, and I love that. And we need to encourage each other. But what God had against the shepherds of Israel was they just decided that those who were sick and injured, I, I didn't need to shepherd them. Just let, let the wolves eat them. This is sort of, and I'm not talking evolution here, but sort of this idea of, well, you know, that's, what's, that's what happens to the weak lamb. You know, I mean, that's how we thin the herd, right? Just let them get eaten. That's not God's kingdom. That's not God's economy. God's economy says that we as a church are to continue to shepherd lambs that bite us. And, uh, and it hurts. And some of you, your children or your parents or your siblings or your good friends bite you. And uh, take comfort because we're going to find out that the God of Israel wants to be the ultimate shepherd of these sheep. And he loves them far more than you ever will. Second thing, verse 4, here's what he says. You ruled them. Verse 4 of this chapter 34, what he has against them. The weak you've not strengthened, the sick you haven't healed, the injured you haven't bound up, the strayed you haven't brought back, the lost you haven't sought. It is with force and harshness you have ruled them. And parents, this is particularly to you. If, if you're disciplining your children out of anger, if your tones, your words, or even your manner cause your children to fear, I think you're disciplining out of harshness. I understand we all lose our temper, but you should model repentance in that, not modeling, well, I'm the dad or the mom, and you do what I say because I fear what you will do to me. If you've been... In a church where people have disciplined you out of harshness or fear, you've feared retribution from the pulpit, you've feared getting hammered, I apologize on behalf of any shepherd who has wounded you. That is not God's provision for his shepherds. 
He wants us to, he says, the, the gentle shepherd carries the lamb and yes, sometimes holds that lamb really tight and there is discipline for the lamb and there is a rod and a staff and it's not all puppy dogs and rainbows, but it's not through harshness or fear. This is what God had against the shepherds of Israel. Third thing, um, verse 11, uh, no, let's, um, before I move on to what he says about um, uh, God, the Lord God being a shepherd, uh, he says, um, oh, the, the sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd. And what happened is the, shep, the sheep were scattered, it says, and they couldn't find food. And so, again, parents, teachers, mentors, whatever, we are, yes, we're called alongside people. We are definitely called to listen. We're called to feed them. And we're called to not let them be scattered and not say, well, just go out and just eat whatever you want and you'll see how bad it is for you. I understand there are sheep who aren't going to eat the food we set in front of them. That's not the problem. The problem is when we just say there's no boundary, there's no fence, there's no line, there's no teaching. Just go off and do what you want. Okay? And so the first thing we do is we pray for them. If you do not pray daily for your children and daily for those that you are shepherding, may I just gently and strongly at the same time encourage you, pray daily. I know some of you do. I know this is your practice, but pray that they would love Jesus and that they would know him. Don't let them be scattered. And if they run, provide a safe haven so that they have food to eat when they come home. Now, the thing I love about God is that while he was certainly angry, and I don't hesitate from using that word, God was angry at what Israel had done, and particularly the shepherds had done. Here's his provision. Listen to this, verse 11, chapter 34. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for the sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered. Among his sheep. On a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples. I will gather them from the countries. I'll bring them into their own land. I'll feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture on the mountain heights of Israel and shall be their grazing land. They shall lie down in good grazing land. On rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of the sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. John 10 teaches us that he is the good shepherd and that ultimately he loves your children and your students and the people under your care more than you will. But that that was not God's A plan. God's A plan was that we lead them to the shepherd and that we as under shepherds bring them to the shepherd. But that please don't despair that if you feel like, I just don't know what to do, I'm lost, Please commit those under your care to the care of the shepherd. Some of, for some of you guys, the ones who you care about are far away. They're locked up in addictions or they're locked up in, 
and lifestyles that you know are killing them, please take this passage and see the God who doesn't leave the ones you love and pray for alone, but he's pursuing them on the hills. Finally, the next section says this, As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. It is not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet unto the rest of your pasture. Or is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of the pasture and to drink of clear water, that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? Since I haven't studied that, I'm not going to try to exegete what that means. I I have some guesses, but I'm going to leave that for right now, though I think it's a very interesting concept. But, verse 20, Therefore says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with side and shoulder and thrust it all, the weak of your horns, till you have scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them one shepherd. Let me just say this. We, we sometimes have situations where the people under our care, particularly our children, um, don't treat each other well. And as shepherds, we're to differentiate between sheep and sheep. And don't let the fat sheep, so to speak, the ones who are doing well, bully and overwhelm the ones who aren't. It's our job to care, especially for those who can't do for themselves and are weak. And, you know, sometimes this may be a school situation. Sometimes it may be a social situation. Step in, be proactive, protect your sheep, teach them the way. Don't leave them to the wolves. And the most encouraging part of this is the last part of this section Verse 23, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them. He'll be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be a prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. This is after David. The son of David has come. He is the good shepherd. He is here fulfilling that role. Trust him. I think that's all I got. Okay. If you feel like that pinged you at all, please take it to the Lord, to the Holy Spirit, we probably need to follow up with, with what that means. If any part of that resonated with you, speak to Brian, myself, one of the elders, some, a Christian you trust, and let's figure out how we don't fall under the indictment of the shepherds of Israel, please. Listening to this is great, but if you walk away, you're like a person that says you looks in the mirror and forgets what kind of person you were. If, if this at all, because of God's word, reflected to you something in you that needs to change, look deeply into the word and let it change you. That's the counsel from James.